Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today and you had a great Thanksgiving. It is a sunny Sunday afternoon here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness, who we featured on episode 145. If you haven't heard that episode yet, I encourage you to go back and take a listen, especially if you are struggling to get and stay in shape as a busy leader. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just want to remind you to take a look at the leadership books on my website. I've written three leadership books, and I recommend you start with I Have the Watch first. It's filled with 22 short stories that will help you become a leader worth following. It's a quick read, and most people finish it in less than three hours. It's also available on Kindle and Audible, so you can listen in your car or while working out. So check out all my books either on Amazon or my website, johnsrenny.com. Also, I just wanted to mention that Deep Leadership just moved up and is ranked as a top 2% most popular show out of 3 million podcasts globally, according to ListenScore. I wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening every week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top performing show, so thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about making an impact in the world. Now, my guest is Dennis Benino. He is the founder and CEO of Street Cop Training. His goal is to make the world a better place by making better law enforcement officers, and his work is making a difference. We sat down and talked about why he started this business and what drives him to keep getting better. Now, if you've ever wondered how to turn your passion into success, this is your episode. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast, and I am joined by Dennis Bonino. Dennis is the founder and CEO of Street Cop Training. His company has trained over 30,000 police officers in more effective policing techniques. Dennis also hosts the popular Street Cop Training Podcast. He is a former police officer, has made more than 1,500 arrests, and conducted well over 10,000 motor vehicle stops. I am excited to learn about leadership from a law enforcement perspective. So, Dennis, welcome to the show. John Rennie. What an honor. We're back again together. The dynamic duo. I'm pumped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Last time you were the interviewer, and now I am getting a chance to interview you. So this is fun. I'm excited. Yeah, this is good. So um, first of all, I, I mentioned some of your background. Tell us about your background in law enforcement and some of the roles you had. You know, I, I think probably the most important thing to point out and probably what directed me to be a law enforcement instructor slash starting this company, a uh, 
training company for law enforcement officers is in the beginning, I started my career in 2001. I went through a police academy here. Um, I left the state of New Jersey to go be a federal police officer. I went to a police academy in Georgia, Federal Law Enforcement Training Center in Glencoe, Georgia. And then I returned to New Jersey 20 months later and had to go back to another police academy. So in, in about four and a half years, I went through three police academies. And you know each one had its challenges, but all of them collectively sucked right across the board. So that really... You know, I wondered why I was going through three police academies. I'm not the only person in the world who's gone through three police academies, but I'm glad that I did now, even though it was really not fun at the time, because I got to really, I guess, develop a lot of understanding of where the deficiencies were. You know, I came out, I was very motivated, wanted to go out, do great things, catch bad guys and have fun. And I did a lot of that. Hmm. So when did you say, you know what, I really want to get out of you know, actually, you know, being on the street and actually start a training company. Where, where did the idea of a training company come about? Well, there's two, it's a two part question. So the first one is when did I decide that I wanted to leave? When three shoplifters ran me over with their car and busted my knee to pieces. And the doctor said, you're not going to be a cop again. And I went, okay, I guess that's the way it's going to go. So that was God having his divine intervention uh, at that time. So that was a decision by God. Now, prior to that, in 2012, uh, that happened in 2014. I subsequently left in 2015. In 2012, I had really started to notice that a lot of people I was field training were really excelling. Um, I had done a lot of research. I knew a lot about case law. And what case law essentially means is it is the guidance from our courts on how to act constitutionally in the field. And I noticed that cops weren't maliciously acting unconstitutionally. They just weren't aware of what the rules were. So I was able to implement that. And on top of that, having some real good street, solid street skills. I was a, I was a, I was a sharp, street smart dude, um, proactive, eager. So it was a good mixture. And I thought to myself, well, if having this much impact and creating such good people out of the field training program they're going through with me, which is basically my personal field training program, I should probably share this with most people. So I decided to put some pen to paper, started taking some notes, things I thought were important. And then I, you know, formulated that mixed in constitutional law and, you know, came up with a program in 2012 and had the moxie to give a free class for, for about 68 police officers. I was terrified compared to what it is now. It was, it was a joke. And at the end of that class, people were like, man, this was really good. I feel like cops really need some shit like this. And that's how it started. And then it just expanded from there. Was, you know, was it, was there a real need out there or did you sort of, you know, kind of bump into it, uh, and, and, and real, you know, like you did this one training, it was really effective and you're like, wow, this is, um, maybe there's something here. Or did you know, as a police officer that there was a real need to have uh, more in-depth training across the board? Not only is there a need or was there a need, there is a need. It's, mm. it's dire. It's ridiculous. To be honest with you, the training police officers receive is next to crap. Mm. Now, are there other training companies, private entities, some public, some available to law enforcement that is actually quality training? Yeah, for sure. Uh, but majority of it, 90% to 95% of it is crap on a stick. Mm. And that's the motivation. These men and women go into a profession where their lives are on the line. Other people's lives are on the line with literally almost no training at all. It's why the concept when you get into it is absolutely wild. And, you know, I thought I could have a little bit of impact. 
now I think I can almost change the whole goddamn thing. Mm. As nuts as that sounds. Now, do I think it's going to happen in two weeks? No, I'm going to be here doing this until I'm old and gray and, <laughs> and, and until I say like, this is the best I could do. So give us a flavor for what is street cop training? What do you guys do? What kind of training do you provide to police officers? Well, that's a very big question. So I'm going to try to give you the <laughs> reader's digest version. Um, I think that we are collectively a group of at this junction 2022 at the end of the year, 40 plus instructors who are probably some of the best human beings I know, but also experts in a area or a subject area for which they teach um, experts in interdiction. And that means stopping cars and finding large seizures of narcotics and contraband. You have experts in leadership. You have experts in digital investigations, social media, open source, uh, de-escalation, and, and the list goes on and on. I mean, it just goes on and on through our 40 instructors. And we have people in the hopper. Canine classes have coming out. Uh, what our goal is to really, one, I think at the core of it is to prevent death, right? And serious bodily injury. Whether that's at the hand of the police officer themselves, in a suicidal fashion, because that's a very prevalent thing, but also um, at the hands of others. So employing tactics that are more sound and safe compared to what they've been taught, uh, employing life-saving medical tactics to themselves or others. There's just investigations that save lives. That's the number one thing. And the next thing we have is employing tactics that are constitutionally compliant so we can ensure that when we do actually catch the fish, we get to clean it and put it away in the freezer. Uh, those are probably the two most important things for us. And that's a very macro statement. And with a flavor of us trying to give newer police officers, even more senior police officers, guidance on compassion and what it means to be professional and what it means to have self-development, um, you know, in a place where there could be a lot of toxicity to try to find who you are and choose yourself and be your own person. Mm. So are they are they live? Are they on, are they um, pre-programmed? Are they cohort based? What what do these training sessions look like? Or are they across the board? A bunch of different uh, versions. Yeah, of they're it? across the board. I mean, we're asked to do keynote. I'm asked to do keynotes, uh, private events. Um, we're we're typically how it works is if you checked our website. Let me check that. Check that. Uh, if you checked our website, streetcop.com you would see that we are a national company. So we're all over the place. Uh, all our instructors travel. Typically, agencies host us. Uh, we show up and make it available to all law enforcement officers. We have on-demand training. So we have, a, we have an online platform where you could take training courses. We're, we're trying to do it all across the board. But, you know, it's how do you eat an elephant and one bite at a time. So I like I have all these ideas and, but I'm one person. We only have so many people on the staff here and, you know, we just slow and steady wins the race, but we're tenacious and try to move as quickly as we possibly can. Knowing that lives are on the line. We look at sometimes these police officers losing their lives in the line of duty. And we're like, man, why didn't they get the memo? How did we not get to these guys yet? How are we, how can we get to these people to make them more aware of what we're doing? Um, and I think a lot of people really subscribe to the street cop brand because they know what we stand for. They know where our hearts are. We, they know that we don't come up out, come out here to solely procure revenue. We come up here with a why, and why are we doing this? That makes a lot of sense. 
So tell us a little bit, just to, just your entrepreneurial journey. So you said, I'm going to, you know, that you had this one great training session. You say, there's something here. I'm going to develop a training, uh, you know, a company. So I imagine it was an overnight success, right? From day one. Just like, just like everything there's ever been. Oh, just overnight <laughs> success. Right. So what was it like? I mean, what were some of the challenges you faced? Um, because you're doing something completely different than what you were doing uh, when you're, you you were actually a police officer. So what um, what were some of the challenges you faced? And, um, you know, from a from a leadership standpoint, what, what were some of the things you learned about yourself through that process? I'm going to start by saying this, that this is a gift for me to everybody. You can get really good, really fast by employing things like podcasts and audiobooks and YouTube on learning the ins and outs of a business. You can't get perfect at it, but those things can help you tremendously with the roadblocks and the hurdles you're going to face. When they show up and other people have been there before, you say, oh, I heard this on a podcast. I heard this on an audiobook. I was expecting you to come to my door. I know exactly what to do here. And I got to be honest with you. Do I think I had some predisposition to be successful in business because of some of the way my brain works? Yes, I'm creative. I have good emotional control. But a lot of the things that we have been successful with is because I really am encompassing the principles set forth by people who have already done it and have done it better than I am doing it or will ever be able to do it. So there's a lot of good mentorship out there. Um, you know, I, the hurdles, they're never ending, John. I mean, just, I, I, you know, they just change as you grow. They'll never go away. And I think people in the beginning really need to make a decision on whether or not they're willing to endure what this is. And mm. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If you think this is a 40 hour week thing, don't, don't come into entrepreneurship. Mm. This is, this is, I, to even quantify, I can't put a number on it. Dude, I wake up in the morning my little morning routine, but I start working almost immediately. I'm working while I'm yeah. working out. Um, you know, I'm taking in material. I'm working out. I, I, I come out of the shower. I'm, I'm answering phone calls, emails. I come in with 11 things to do. And as I walk through the door, seven crazier things are handed to me. You know, just, you never know today. Somebody showed up and delivered some bullshit subpoena on, they want these training records in Northern Indiana. It's not signed by a judge. Now I got to stop what I'm doing. Look into what this thing is. We call and they're like, nah, it's, it's like something. And I'm like, you don't got to follow up. What do we call our attorneys? Right. That's 30 <laughs> minutes gone. Right. 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 Um, you know, just there's all sorts of I'm dealing with personnel issues. I have to have conversations and continue to have candor with people here to make sure they're happy and I'm doing a good job for them. And and, you know, what do you expect? This is the job. And what do you want from me? Where do you see this is like because there's a little tension going on right here right now. So it's a lot, man. There's there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, but it was a calling. And I have a funny feeling that if somebody had intervened in my life earlier, now I had this real itch that I had to scratch about being a cop. I really, really, really did. But maybe when I was 18 or 19, had technology been around where I'd run into an entrepreneur and put their arm around me and said, Hey, I see a lot of potential in you. Let me show you some things. I might've been persuaded out of law enforcement and had been doing something completely different now because uh, I really always knew that I had a knack for business. I have a lot of examples of what that is. I'm 41 years old next week. I continue to unpack the thoughts I even had as a kid in business. Mm. Um, so I enjoy it tremendously. It's for me. But uh, 
you know, there's a lot of responsibility with this, really a lot of responsibility. Well, you know, just just in you talking through that, what I gather is that you have a passion for it, right? And, uh, you know, there's uh, Angela Duckworth wrote a book called Grit, and she said grit is uh, passion and perseverance for long-term goals. In other words, something you're so driven to do that you'll go through whatever whatever obstacles that you face because you have a, you have a passion towards that. And it sounds like you have a mission, you have a passion, you have a goal, and that, um, you know, all the challenges that you face, the day-to-day challenges, the, you know, like you said, the, the unforeseen things that happen every day those are minor compared to what your mission is. Is that is that safe to say? I think that that is not only safe to say, but it's part of the deal. Mm. And if you're not willing to accept that part of the deal, probably wouldn't want to go into this. Now, my friend Rob said something one time, maybe I'll skip that part, but I was recently <laughs> at a conference and, you know, essentially it's the same principle. I'll tell you, know, I'll, I'll tell you what my friend Rob said one time. I sat yeah. down. And I was discussing with him. My friend Rob is uh, the number one realtor in the state of New Jersey. His name's Rob Dukansky. Anybody from New Jersey knows him. His signs are everywhere. You can Google his name. Uh, he holds world title rankings in Remax. The guy is a fucking savant. And he's a great human being. We're sitting having dinner one day. He's a very good friend of mine. I mean, I, I tremendously adore him. He changed my life. And I said, um, I was maybe bitching and moaning a little bit. He goes, what would you rather have? Rich people problems or poor people problems? Hmm. And I went, I've never thought of it that way. So you just pick up with this stuff. And it was no different than, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you got your problems. But if you worked for somebody, if you were out there working for somebody else, you'd have just different problems. Yeah. yeah. So you've got to figure out which problems do you really want. And a lot of people think that you need to own a business to make money or be rich. That's not true. Um, I think the variable of having success and money is how much hard work and discipline you're willing to employ. So people are confused on that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, I spent 22 years in corporate, you know, corporate doing working for other people. And um, there were other problems, right? Now, as an entrepreneur, I've been doing my business now for seven years. It's a whole different set of problems, right? But I would I would choose this life over working for someone else only because uh, there's a there's a freedom element that's associated with it that I appreciate. So in other words, I, I make my own schedule, right? And I, and I like that part of it. And I'm sure uh, that's something that's appealing to you as well, I imagine. But you have to you have to have the discipline. You've got to be able yeah. to say to my to say to yourself, like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna slide out of the office at one o'clock to go watch my kids' baseball game. Yeah. But you gotta realize that you're gonna make that up in the back end. So at eight o'clock, you're not watching TV like everybody else is. You're gonna catch up on the things you missed from one to two or one to three. Yeah. And that's yeah. a big discipline. You have to employ that, you know, just different problems, but a lot of discipline in having a successful business. And you know what? You can make it go. I had a guy, a friend of mine who wasn't that successful, but he had a little bit of a mini success in a landscaping company. He's one of the first people who ever said something to me. And he said, you know, Dennis, your business can be as good as you want it to be. Mm. You can have as much business as you want if you're willing to go out and get it. Mm. And it is the truth. You know, it was the truth. And he wasn't somebody who was like, like he really wanted a business, but he understood that the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. 
This podcast is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Now, don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to help take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. Now, I've worked with Jeremy for the past year, and I'm in the best shape of my life. So if you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at jeremyclevengerfitness.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. This episode is brought to you by the Fraternity of Excellence. The Fraternity of Excellence is an online and real-world community for men who are looking to improve in all areas of their lives. The men of FOE are working together to become better husbands, fathers, and leaders at work and in their communities. They live by a simple philosophy, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Now, I've been a member for more than three years, and for me, I finally found a brotherhood of men that I was missing from my time in the military. Now, I love being around guys who are dedicated to becoming a better version of themselves. So if you're interested in becoming a man of excellence as well, go to fraternityofexcellence.com, or you can reach out directly to me to learn more. So one of the things that you have, you know, I was looking through your website and some of your materials, you say that um, you want to change law enforcement for the better. That seems to be your mission. Uh, and and tell us a little bit about the kind of why, the why behind that mission. You mentioned suicide being one. You mentioned, you know, not, you know, ending death or preventing death. So what are some other reasons for that mission? Well, The number one complaint of law enforcement, similar to the military, is poor leadership, toxic leadership. Mm. I recognize that some of the existing leadership can't be penetrated. They don't allow it to be penetrated. They are steadfast in their ways, but the good news is they're not going to be here forever. Mm. What I'm trying to do is plant seeds in the next generation of law enforcement to behave much more appropriately and spend time understanding, developing leadership. And essentially, if that's the first biggest problem, that should cure a lot of stuff because then it should trickle down from there. Hmm. Um, I don't teach leadership personally. I try to uh, exemplify leadership. I speak about it a lot. That's not my course is on, but I I touch on that subject quite a bit. Compassion and, and empathy for others and having emotional control and what it means to be a good leader. So at its core, really, we're trying to set the precedent of, hey, this is we can make this better. If you'd like this to be better, if you want to see more public support, uh, less embarrassment, we'll never escape it completely because we're political pawns. But certainly this job, which is never going away, you'll always need the police can Mm. be done just better. Mm. And I think I know how it can be done better. I really I think I have the solution to a lot of it. Not all of it, but a lot of it. No bullshit. You know, it's and it's. It's a very audacious thing to say. It's very, it sounds very cocky, very peacocky, very, let me try to impress you. Um, I had a guy one time say to me, this is years ago, came up to me in a class in Texas. He goes, you got a minute? I go, of course. What would you like? We're on break. It's your time. I'm here. He goes, can I ask you a question? I said, anything you want. He said, what's it like to know that you're changing the world? Mm. I went, you know what, dude? 
you can't say that out loud at this stage in the game because nobody will believe you. They think you're fucking nuts. But I think about mm. it every single day. Mm. Every single day I think about it. And that's my motivation. Uh, yeah. Why come in here? Because I really believe in my heart. And not only do I believe it, there is tangible proof. We we have so much testimony, so much stuff coming back to us on all the wonderful things that we are able to do for the world and for this law enforcement community. And the great thing is, is when we can do great things for law enforcement because they interact with public so much, uh, it really makes the world a better place. And in, in whether it's the kind of service you receive from a law enforcement officer or the motivation we gave that person to prevent a crime from happening. So it's a, it's a big totalitarian result and it's exciting. It really is. I love what you're saying there because I think it's really important. You're saying that you have a mission, you have a, you have a passion, you have something that, and you want to change the world for the better. And it's a driving force in everything that you do. I know in this podcast, we say we're, we're here to build a world with better, uh, with better bosses. That's our, that's our mission. That's what we're trying to do. One boss at a time, one leader at a time, right? We're trying to make, make people better. You're doing the same thing with police officers. Your dent in the universe, right, is, is making better law enforcement officers. And I think that's, I, it comes through very clear in, in what you talk about. So I think, you know, you know, entrepreneurs, leaders who are listening in here, you know, when you talk about a vision or a mission, it's not something you put on a piece of paper and throw it in your lobby. It's something you're living every day. And clearly, Dennis, is you're you're living that every day. It's clear by 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 your words that this is something that that you're very passionate about. You you are changing the world for the better, and that's something that's that's important to you. And I think as leaders, we need to find that same passion and drive in what we do. So excellent, excellent point. One thing you said though was interesting. You said uh, that 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 the police are political pawns, and I just wanted to get a chance for you to share a little bit about what what are some of the challenges uh, that law enforcement faces in 2022. Uh, well, literally, it doesn't have what well, didn't take anybody with a half a brain to look very far to figure out when mayors of left wing liberal agendas are creating policies to hinder police, and I just screaming in my head, Chicago police, Mayor Lightfoot, has put policies in that enable criminals to just do whatever they want. Police can't have to. Yeah. And so when you're intermixing somebody's personal idealisms with a service in this country that is at the utmost so necessary to be efficient, to prevent the loss of life at the top of it, um, and then we could just trickle it all down from there, you're really doing a detriment to the people that you have served. And unfortunately, in my lifetime or yours, we'll never see the separation of politics and law enforcement because it's a publicly controlled entity. Um, it's a very hot topic issue. These people try to appeal to their public or to the people that they want to vote for them by essentially either treating the cops like complete pieces of shit or on the other side of it, Ron DeSantis treating cops the way they should be treated. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't think, I don't think that you can look at these human beings that come out and do this job so selflessly. You know, we saw last night, there was Houston police were took in like over 20 rounds of AK 47, seven, six, two rifle rounds to a front windshield of a police cruiser. Hmm. Uh, you know, those guys make 55, 60, 70,000 bucks a year to get shot at. It's wild. Hmm. You know, it's the, you get contractors in Iraq who make more money, triple that money. And the same thing's happening to them. So we can't, 
politicize the police. We have to invest in the police. Yeah. And, you know, the pendulum was actually swinging back quite a bit, which is the first time in my 21 plus years of doing this that I've seen this happen. Uh, not a ton, but enough. And, you know, you saw like one of the things they said where the House flipped over back to the GOP was people were pissed about the crime rates. It's wild. You let these liberal antics dictate what law enforcement does. They have to be separate. You have to let law enforcement enforce the law. Do I think they need to be constitutionally compliant? Yeah. Do I think they need to be within policy? Sure. Do I think they need to be treating people appropriately? A thousand percent. But you can't just not give them the training on how to do that and expect it to perform. That's where we come in. We know that training will resolve it all. There's no question about it. There's nothing that can fix this more than training. Hence, yeah. we're a training company. Well, you know, it's funny because you know, when you hear the, the expression defund the police, <clears throat> you know, just a common sense person like myself just says, that's not good. Like if you're having yeah. problems, if you're having problems with a with a police force, right? What you need to do is invest in the training, right? Like right. just just what you said. You need to be investing in hiring the right people, make sure they're paid right, that they're trained right, so that they're doing the job more effectively. When you when you when you choke out the money that the the this group of people that are that are hired to enforce the laws that the politicians put in place, right? When you when you choke that out, right, you're gonna get better cops or, or worse cops, right? I mean, that that seems like a common sense thing to me. So the idea of funding, you know, funding uh, a police force properly, and then, like you said, using that money to, to, to get world-class training, that's the right way to do it. It's not even, you know, it's gotten so bad beyond defunding the police because what you said to people is, don't be a cop. It's not mm, even worth right, it. Right. Enrollment is down. They cannot. I. The only thing I can guess is maybe, just maybe, on this next economic recession or economic depression, whatever it's going to be, maybe because it's a quote unquote secure job, maybe they'll have more people applying who need work. Uh, you know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know because to be a cop, you really got to be motivated. It's not a job. You just don't do it for the money. Mm. Um, but people are are dissuaded from it and. It's even affecting my business. Enrollment is down in classes. And the same thing we hear over and over again is we don't have anybody to work the road. We can't send people to training. Hmm. We have nobody to work the road. And, you know, actually, some police departments are getting smart. They're realizing that they're not going to have much to work with, but that they can offer might attract people. And that offering what they can that doesn't cost money is like support, leadership, yeah. you know, compassion. Yep. Yeah. Can't yeah. toss money. It's proven. Minneapolis tried to toss. $30,000 signing bonuses and $250,000 salaries to cops. And nobody's, they had one cop. I think they hired one cop in six months. Mm. Minneapolis, they're down like 300 mm. cops. They only had like 900 to start. I don't even know if they had that many. It'd be 600 to start. They've lost like half their police department. Nobody's crazy enough, even for a million bucks to go there and risk losing their freedom. Yeah, I think you're right. I think what, I mean, just like with any job, but I think especially right now with police officers, they want to know that, leadership has their back, right? So they want to go on a job where they know that the leadership has their back, that they're going to get paid appropriately. They're going to get training, right? And given the right equipment to do the job. And I think just like with any other job, you want all those things. And I think to, to, to a large extent, there's a feeling around around different, especially different places in the country that that doesn't exist, right? That there doesn't, there isn't the support for the, for the police officer, there isn't the the right pay, the right equipment, the right training, right? So, and I think that's what you're, why you're seeing so many, well, and like you say, 
the, with the crime rate up like it is, you're you're more likely to get into a scenario where there's gunshots and and, and you're getting you know fired at, and that's you know to me. So I think I think you're 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 on the right track with which is if we want to if we want to support the people that are doing this very difficult job, we got to give them we, we got to back them up. We got to give them the right equipment. We got to give them the right pay, and we got to get them the right training. And it sounds like you're adding to the one major element there, which is training. You know what's interesting is even on this theory that I'm giving you of why people go and work at certain places, mm. I am telling you, I have a strong pulse uh, as a, whatever you want to call me in this profession. And uh, people are fleeing cops in droves to Florida. Mm. Like even New Jersey cops, which isn't heard of, are going <laughs> to Florida. It's yeah. wild. Yeah. Uh, you got, and uh, on the second part of it, Texas, they're going to Florida and Texas. They have gotten smart. And they're getting the country's best cops in both those states. They are leaving places like New York City, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania overall, um, Illinois, anywhere where they are not supported. And they're just heading heading south right to right to Texas, right to Florida. Maybe I'll third up with that. Maybe like Arizona. It's we're losing them all to those states and you're going to pay for it. There's a big detriment to this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've already seen I think we've seen crime going up because of the drain uh, of police in in certain areas. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So. um, So let's let's talk a little bit about just before we kind of give you a chance to talk a little bit more about some of the things you're working on. I was just curious, like when you're. You know, we we do leadership stuff on here. We talk to military leaders. We talk to um, business leaders and what have you. Are there specific things in leadership in the in in the law enforcement that's that's unique to law enforcement that that you would think of that 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 you know? I mean, obviously, you're dealing with life and death situations, but I'm just curious to know: are there some specific leadership skills, techniques, uh, ideas that's specific to your industry? I think leadership skills, techniques, and ideas is a universal principle. Mm. I don't think there's anything unique to it. Um, I can give you an example of what it feels like to have a good leader. You got some sergeants who sit in the back office and kick their feet up and watch Netflix. And you got some that when you get a leaky bag of shit job, that means you get like a job that has like tons of paperwork. It's just a, it's just a fucking nightmare. It's like a five, six hour job, which is a lot for a law enforcement officer. Then you got some sergeants that sit down and say, what do you got? Give me half the work. I'll do it for, I'll do it with you right now. I'm going to get you guys sandwiches. I know it's been a long night. And that's just a small example of what a leader is in this profession. Um, And I think that, again, the principles are, are universal. And any organization you go to and you ask the rank and file, who's the best leader here? Who do you guys, it's not going to be the smartest guy. It might not be the smartest guy, but it's going to be the best leader. So you got to have followers to be a leader. And then if you ask them the same question again of like, who's the biggest asshole here, they all point to the same person as well. Mm -hmm. So what's that guy doing right? What's the other guy doing wrong? It's not hard to figure out. And I think that people can really start with a lot of selflessness and compassion for others. And we'll sprinkle in some empathy because compassion is like it's almost twin brother. So those three things are great places to start. I can't give you every answer, but the decisions you're making, the behavior you're exhibiting, is it selfless as a leader? Do you have compassion for other people? And do you have empathy for other people? Can you understand what they're feeling and why they're feeling it? Why, what may be causing some behavior? And then having the the humility to sit down and try to 
open the dialogue of communication and make things better? How can I be better to you? Mm. How What can we do here to make things better for you? And we're really going to listen to you. We're not just going to, because everybody wants to be seen, validated and heard, right? That's a big mistake by a lot of leaders. You need to listen to people. And sometimes I'm guilty of it myself, but I really spend a lot of time trying to develop my leadership skills. I lead a lot of people. I have a lot of followers. We're almost at a million people collectively across our social media platforms. You know, so often people are like, well, he was, he wasn't a captain of a police department. I didn't have to be to be a leader. Mm, right? right. No, that's some great answers. And I think, you know, we talk about it. I talk about in my books, I talk about on this podcast that leadership is a people business and all those qualities you just mentioned are people qualities, dealing with people. How do you deal with them? You know, compassion, empathy, listening, you know, these are just great leaders, uh, great people skills, right? And you need to have that if you want to be an effective leader. So perfect, perfect answer. And it's good to see that the, you know, like I've always said that the the leadership uh, practices in the military, they translate really well to business. Sounds like they translate really well to law enforcement as well. It's good. To, for good sure. To I think they translate well to everybody. I think, yeah. I think, I think it's good for every human being to go through leadership training, just to understand what the principles of leadership are. And the fact that we're trying to train, that we have to train it is pretty wild. And, and you're just a product of your environment, how you're brought up, the principles of what you were raised on. Some of them aren't great. I wasn't raised by people who had good stoic principles. I was raised by people who were judgmental, um, you know, relinquished no responsibility, never said I'm sorry. And I had to learn as an adult in my 30s a whole new way of thinking, believing, and acting. And I was just committed to it because it spoke to my soul. I was never a bad person. I just wasn't trained correctly. And I constantly self-trained. Mm. Well, that's the way to do it. Absolutely. So um, what are you guys working on now on Street Cop Training? What, what's going on now? These we have our big event coming up uh, April 23rd to 28th, Nashville, Tennessee. F uh, I think we have five or six big keynote speakers. Uh, and I don't want to miss anybody here. So we have Rob O'Neill. He's got Kilbin Laden. We have Jason Redman, uh, Navy SEAL, crazy story. Check him out on, on YouTube. We have Tommy Laren from Fox News. We have Kyle Carpenter, uh, youngest. I think he's the youngest living medical, uh, Congressional Medal of Honor winner. We have three notably known sheriffs in law enforcement. Sheriff David Clark, a lot of people know him. He's the uh, the guy with the cowboy hat on, the goatee yep. you see on Fox News all the time. We have Sheriff Mark Lamb, the American sheriff, and then Sheriff Wayne Ivey, who hats off to Wayne. He just rehired a guy who was charged with murder as a police officer, acquitted, and Wayne gave him his job back. And he said, he told me, he goes, the least I can do is give this guy some dignity back after these fuckers put him through the, through the, uh, through the ringer like they did. He was acquitted. He was mm. acquitted. He was, uh, he was charged with a homicide and it was, it was a justified shooting. And, you know, Wayne said, I'm going to catch a lot of heat for it. I just, I know it's coming, but I, I morally have to give this guy his job back. He didn't do anything wrong. Mm. Yeah, I saw your, your lineup is a fantastic lineup for this. And so it was a couple day event. You do training in between. Yeah, so it's a lot like, of like it's not just people with these keynotes going all day. But, you know, you, you think about like, oh, where's the practical training? Well, we have 20 instructors from our company teaching as well. But the practical training is in these people speaking. I mean, these are some of those profound speakers that you'll ever see. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jason Redman, uh, who I'm proud to call a friend of mine now. This dude gets it, man. He yeah, just yeah. gets it. And when he talks. Like hearing birds chirp, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, um, you know, so there is practical value in that as well. And you know, on top of it, we're continuing to develop our curriculums and putting new instructors on. You could check everything out that we do at streetcop.com or put in streetcop training on any social media platform, minus Twitter. Uh, but I might grab a Twitter now because I kind of like where it went. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, 
you can find us anywhere and people really, really subscribe to what we're saying. And do we have people slinging mud at us? Yeah, sure. It comes with the territory. I don't, nobody needs something for everybody, even in law enforcement. Not every cop likes street cop training. That's okay. Some of the leadership that I give out is like, you don't have to, we mm-hmm. can agree to disagree. This doesn't have to be your calling. This is ours. You do your thing. We do our thing, but we mean a lot to a lot of people. And we know that we're not here to pander to those who don't believe in what we do. We're here to serve the people that we agreed to show up and serve. And they're they're here to support us. And it's it's a wonderful relationship. It really is. That's fantastic. And what we're going to do is we'll put links in the show notes for all of Dennis's resources if you're interested. Uh, if you're listening in, you're in law enforcement. I think this training uh, session, this uh, the live event down in Nashville sounds like a a great event, especially of those speakers. And I, and I hope that nobody, I hope that Rob O'Neill never has to buy his own beer. That's what I hope. <laughs> yeah. We won't allow that to happen. No, no, you, you should never have to ever buy his own beer. It's my opinion. So I know, he, you know, know, he's a Navy guy. So I like him. I, I think we all like him. He killed bin Laden. So <laughs> absolutely, I think we're all appreciative of, and his story's wild, man. The, 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 the yeah. way he tells a story, it's wild. And, yeah. and it, it actually, uh, you know, it just it just sets an example of why it's hard to do something great for the world because even he has critics. Yeah. Wild people think yeah, he's full wild. of shit. It's wild, and it's not. You know, he's not. He's just not. It's, and that's something you got to get. You got to agree to accept when you're going to try to do something great. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Dennis, this has been fantastic. I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your journey, starting the company, your experiences as a police officer, and what you're trying to do in the world. I think this is a a very impactful uh, conversation, and I really appreciate you coming on board. John, you're the man. I mean, you are. I can't can't thank you enough for having me here. I love getting interviewed. I had a blast. You're awesome. And hopefully we have a continued friendship, uh, and we keep doing this every so often and uh, getting together, man. You're awesome. Absolutely. I love, I love, I love having you on and I love being on your show as well. It's been fun. All right, Mr. Rennie, happy holidays. Yeah, you too. You take care. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. No more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electric Acid Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electric Cast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture.
Electric Acid. 